Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktana, and today we'll be looking in depth at how we pre-plan for the life we're living, including selecting our spirit guides and setting up their contracts so they can support us in achieving our goals and learning our chosen lessons. It's difficult to describe the creation process due to its complexity and all the variables involved. However, I'll try to describe it in general terms. The soul, being intimately aware of its current progress in learning about itself, decides on goals and challenges it wishes to take on. It meets with its teacher to work through various factors best suited for the purpose, such as sex, ethnicity, geography, family of origin, culture, family dynamics, sexual orientation, economics, relationships, education, children, skills, joys, and various opportunities for learning and growth. At the same time, the soul is working with their soul group, as most embody as family units, to choose roles and work out relationships, balancing personal needs with willingness to support the goals and needs of members of the group. Other soul groups may contact the soul to negotiate participation in their members' embodied lives. This occurs when the soul group is not able to provide a necessary relationship or opportunity that's desired for one or several of their soul group members. The soul group will reach out to a group who has that skill set or the ability to provide the desired environment and agreements are negotiated. For example, if a soul who is skilled at analysis, logic, and research but as weak in social skills and connections wishes to strengthen that aspect of life, it may contract with a group who is strong socially to be born into that group's family in order to go through social immersion. Another might seek out a family structure that supports individualism or a military family that travels frequently in order to get a broad range of social and cultural experiences early on that will support future life endeavors. During the life creation process, souls choose whether outstanding learning opportunities created by previous lives will be undertaken, if they'll undertake work with others to delve into unresolved or continuing relationships, and whether they'll take on new life experiences that help them understand being human more fully. Some have misinterpreted this as a form of reckoning for past misdeeds and or past hurts, But in truth, past issues are already resolved through the reintegration process after the initial life is complete. For the upcoming life, this choosing process is just that, a choice. Souls may choose through a desire for each other's best and highest good to continue working through previous relationship issues, to provide situations for learning and growth, or to provide life lessons, hard and negative or nurturing and enriching, which support the soul in its personal goals. These situations are never punitive or retaliatory in nature and not meant as payback or some kind of Western societal notion of karma. They're agreed upon by all involved parties in love and with compassion and acceptance. Another component of the process is creating a support team. Each soul needs support while embodied and So beings that will not be embodying are consulted and from them a team of support beings which many refer to as guides or angels, is formed. They work to make a plan for doing so with contracts formed and boundaries stipulated. The nature of the support team is as unique as the soul, and each member accepts a role or an aspect of the soul's life to support. 
Some may be an imaginary friend during childhood. They may be the inspiration that guides a person towards a career, a relationship, or a life-changing event. Another may be a guardian who provides a safety net should we get into trouble of various kinds. They can provide the prick of conscience that helps guide us to right action or the comforting glow that comes to us in our lowest moments. Some may set up synchronicity to get our attention or attend to our actions and choices when we're setting a new course for our lives. As we decide on the various components of our lives, our support team forms to help us in living them. While the deciding process progresses, archivists work with the soul and their teacher to create contracts with the support team, the soul group, the additional soul group members, and other beings that will be working with the embodied soul during this life. And at some point, all the choices, decisions, and planning is complete. The soul then departs to start their life. Throughout the life creation process, the embodied life record section of the soul book is forming, noting the details of the soul's decisions, including agreed-upon roles, tasks, interactions taken on for others, service or career opportunities to be offered, and spiritual calling or path to be utilized. This isn't an exhaustive list by any means, but gives you an overview of what's involved. Every aspect of the embodied life is examined by the soul, the teacher, their soul group, and all relationships, resources, and support staff readied as much as is possible prior to the start of an embodied life. However, after all that work, very little about life can be predetermined or thoroughly depended on to unfold as planned due to free will. Every single being has it and utilizes it nearly every second. All life is, if looked at in present or future time, a series of if-then statements. As is said in the movie Under the Tuscan Sun, any arbitrary turning along the way and I would be elsewhere, I would be different. Everything is interconnected in a complex tapestry of interactions. Therefore, no single event can ever truly be predetermined with any specificity. Previous choices and actions can create reactions or consequences that are large enough they can be seen in the future, but only in generalities, and only so long as no further actions change the complexities that have formed this eventuality. So once the choosing process is complete, once the soul is ready to embody, the embodied life record of the soul book begins its primary task. Upon embodiment, the soul book takes every detail of the embodied life as it's been noted through the choosing process and calculates all the possible outcomes that might occur, and then adds those outcomes into the data and calculates outcomes from the new data, on and on and on, until an end for each possibility is reached either through a natural termination of the act or at projected end of life, which seems an almost infinite task, but is only very, very immense in detail. And during that process, a great deal more is factored in, such as relationships, possible choices based on relationship opportunities, choices unplanned but possible due to previous life experiences, tendencies, and the possibility of failure to meet challenges, goals, or growth potential. All of this information is maintained in real time and updated with every action, thought, and choice that we make in each moment. We've been taught throughout millennia that beings, angels, spirits, and higher powers watch over us, peering down on us from some other plane, or walk with us physically monitoring our every move. And this is partially true. 
were monitored by our teachers and support team very closely. But it's rarely done on the physical plane because very little that's useful can be gleaned by them in this way without interacting with us directly, which is rarely helpful and could actually cause irreparable harm depending on the soul. Instead, our soul books are available to our support team and teachers, and the embodied life record actively supports their interaction, not only by providing sentient, up-to-date details on all aspects of our life, but also through its projections for possible future actions and ramifications. Monitoring us in this way allows all vested parties to act in our best interest using the best means possible to achieve maximum positive results. This doesn't mean that our prayers, cries, or desires are ignored. It just means that the team has a resource that allows them to see the whole picture in a way we as embodied souls can't and to act in our best interest. Each of us is a being of light. We are unique individuals whose lives help create and sustain the wonder and the majesty that is the universe we know and all of it that we don't. Our existence is a fundamental part of everything, and the numinous would be lessened if we didn't exist. An essential part of being sentient beings is our sovereignty over our own beingness. We have the right to think, feel, act, and live how we choose. Free will is a term I use to refer to this enormous gift. It's something that guides all interactions between beings almost as much as the unconditional love that emanates from and connects all of us. Free will is a very large consideration when working with a soul that's embodied. The soul must be allowed to make its own choices, live its own successes and failures, and make mistakes without the interference of its support team or teacher. This is the reason why contracts between the parties are struck. They set the boundaries for what support, help, and intervention is allowed during an embodied life and what can be offered. While a healer or teacher or peer may want to intervene in a certain situation, they can't do so without explicit permission from that soul. The embodied life record of our soul book, in these cases, has the ability to act as our advocate, giving permission for intervention and support up to a certain point. This section of our soul book actively works on our behalf, retaining a level of sentience in order to, of its own accord, grant permission for additional support to be provided in certain instances. Examples would be instances of people in traumatic situations such as car accidents, home invasions, or battles during war, hearing voices that give them instructions on what to do, or seeing people or angels who give them encouragement in order to survive when survival is improbable. Other examples would be the beings that appear in the midst of a terrible event, such as a hand appearing to help a hiker who has slipped and is hanging on the side of a cliff. Without being pulled up, they would have fallen, but when they've been rescued and they look to thank the Good Samaritan, no one's there. Or the person who appears on the stairs of a high-rise on fire. Smoke obscures their face, but they help the elderly and mothers with children down to safety, then disappear, and no one seems to have actually seen them. Without permission from our soul books, these interventions would not be possible because they interfere with the boundaries of interactions we've set up before embodying. Most people don't wish to see or remember beings that are not corporeal during their embodiment, but our soul books are able to hand out hall passes to support beings if the issue is critical, as in these examples. The embodied life record of the soul book can and does take the initiative on our behalf as well. 
When teachers, support staff, or soul group members are not aware of or are not responding strongly enough to a situation, the soul book can and does reach out to them, informing them of the situation in detail and making a formal request for action. These requests may reach out beyond those individuals to others with specialties, such as healers, architects, communications experts, creators who have intimate knowledge of an item, ecosystem, or creatures, and others as necessary. These can be brought up to speed and asked to help the soul as the situation warrants and be granted permission to act. For in the end, no one knows the soul better than the soul itself, and the soul book is an integral part of the soul. It's important to note here that with all of the pre-planning, the preparation, the safety nets, the best of intentions, life rarely goes as planned and things can change dramatically. Not all lives are long and not all lives are able to come to fruition. Sometimes, through choice or through chance, babies don't come to full term. Sometimes childhood accidents or illnesses occur causing death at a young age and SIDS is still a fact of life even in first world nations. Although these events can be pre-planned, there are times when they're not. While it's human nature to look for meaning and purpose in events, the only way to truly determine whether pre-planning was involved is to read the person's soul book. All events are opportunities for learning and growth, but not all are lessons with the weight of authority behind them. Also, people living their lives with free will make unforeseen choices that have repercussions on souls. These aren't pre-planned or preordained and may or may not have any connection with those they've affected other than through the incident. There may be no cosmic reason or lesson to be learned for the affected parties other than what the soul chooses to take away from the experience. Sometimes the event can come to have great meaning and significance, leading the affected soul through an evolution that helps it become. But while trite, it's true that sometimes a cigar is just a cigar which leaves the affected soul with a choice, grow and become, or don't. There's no right or wrong to which of these they choose, only opportunity. The embodied life record of a soul book works with archivists to maintain contracts, work with healers that the soul needs intervention, provides information to support team members that help guide them in how and when to interact with the soul for their best benefit, allows peers to coordinate efforts, allows teachers to monitor progress and activity, and maintains the presence of the intact soul while the embodying process requires forgetfulness. It provides answers to our questions that allow us to live fully with our free will intact and without burdening us with knowledge of who we truly are when we're home. This can sometimes lead to very cryptic answers indeed, and the infuriating answer, it's up to you, at the very moment when we want to hear it least. And in the end, it's the beacon which notifies all parties when we're preparing and ready to come home. Upon release of the soul from the physical form and acknowledgement from all required parties that they're prepared to begin the reintegration process with the soul, it ends its active participation on the soul's behalf and begins to complete the record. All details are noted, all projections of actions completed, and the entire record is moved into the past life section of the book for archiving and retrieval. The reintegration section is activated to record the process of reintegration, but the responsibility for the soul's well-being then resides with the soul's teachers and those members of their team who have agreed to support the reintegration process. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. 
Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Lourdes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.